Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I don't know how we did it, but it's here. Dave Peters from Throwdown is on the podcast. Super excited at how this came about. All my friends were always hearing about Throwdown being rumored on these upcoming fests. And I was just sick of the rumors and decided to go straight to the source. So I tracked down Dave's Instagram and simply just asked him, is Throwdown playing X Fest? And he would actually message me back. I was super surprised at how responsive he was just to some random hardcore kid literally asking him about his band out of the blue. And over time, I would check in with him throughout the year and surprisingly he would still respond and I started the podcast and I always thought to myself how awesome would it be if I could get Dave to come on and it was always just like a bucket list thing for me because I'm super in love with Orange County Hardcore, Orange County Straight Edge and to my surprise Dave was willing to come on and he was super gracious with his time. I'm literally still super jazzed about the conversation that we had and I'm very excited to share it with you guys today. So without further ado, please welcome Dave Peters to the podcast. back to the podcast um welcome dave hey how's it going man sorry about that i got technical difficulties <laughs> no it's totally fine you know um these things are bound to happen uh so it, it's all good on my end i like no issues yo can you hear me okay yeah sorry i i, okay. I finished my sentence but I, I i didn't hear you say anything so i wasn't sure if you cut out again uh, yeah, no, I think I think we're back on now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to um, have you on the podcast. Uh, back in my early days of hardcore, which uh, seems like a really long time ago, I never would have imagined that I would be doing something like this, like having a podcast. But I never thought I'd even be talking to um, somebody who I looked up to, like way back then. Oh man, yeah. Hey, it's. Uh uh, I'm, I'm stoked to do this. You know, it's not often, uh, I, you know, these days anyway, I really get the opportunity to kind of shoot the bull about, um, you know, the band and other things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I, I appreciate it, man. And, you know, ple pleasure is all mine. Hell yeah. Thank you. Like from, from the bottom of my heart, this like means like so much to me. You have no idea, but I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. I got into throwdown. It was like right when Haymaker came out like 2003. Okay. Yeah. Right, it's 2003, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head. I I think so. Yeah, I remember it either came out in late 2003 or yeah, it would have been 2003. Yeah, yeah. and back then, I I literally had no idea what hardcore really was or what it was going to mean to me at that point because it was still like my early days of getting into that genre of music. And for some reason, um, my sister was like, hey, I think you might like this band. So she showed me uh, Throwdown and instantly I fell in love and I'd never turned my back since. 
<laughs> oh, cool, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's a trip to even think that, you know, I mean, 2003 is now, what, 16 years ago. Uh, I can't even, you know, make sense of that in my head. <laughs> that, that time is, you know, that much time has passed since then. But, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's really cool because I think that, like, a lot of, I think that we were kind of, um, I mean, obviously, we hate breed at the time, uh, especially was really kind of made that crossover into, um, you know, into the metal world. And a lot of people had kind of been familiarized with hardcore because of, um, you know, they were, I mean, probably the band that familiarized most people with, um, you know, hardcore, heavier sounding hardcore anyway at the time. And, um, yeah, and then we found kind of as years went on, too, that we were also, you know, one of those kind of bands that a lot of people kind of found through sort of different means in the same way as you know i found hardcore bands back in the day when i was young so it's a, uh, it's uh it's interesting to see kind of how that changes you know over time and then nowadays everything's totally different with you know um the internet and everything so it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's kind of funny to think that like you know um back then it'd be like i don't know i mean i guess i still get referrals for music you know from my friends or whatever but it seems like so much but now it's just, um, you know, check this band out if you like this band, and it's all, you know, um, it's all technical. It's all technological as far as finding new music. So, um, yeah, uh, that, that, that's sweet. Those your sister's into harder music than you are. <laughs> um, well, <Yeah. laughs> she was. She actually um, is like the main reason I got kind of exposed to this kind of music. But uh, I kind of surpassed her. She doesn't listen to that kind of music to today. She kind of dropped out, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. You know, my cousin actually is, uh, showed me a lot of kind of metal bands early on. I think I, I think she showed me Anthrax when I was like, uh, I can't remember how old. I guess I would have been like uh, maybe 11, 11 or 12. Um, actually, no, probably like 10 or 11. Uh, she's a good builder with me now. And it's just so funny now because I'll see her and add a context from that. And I remember her as being like my hip cousin that was into metal. And now she's just like this full-blown basic mom you know it's just like it's just so weird to think of that out, outside of context you know that, how how that changes or whatever but um yeah you know I mean, people are yeah, they get into different music over time and you know, that changes a lot especially with your age yeah that definitely happens but when you were uh when you guys were like early stages in throwdown did you guys ever think that it was going to get this far. Did you guys ever have like a plan like for the band or were you guys just kind of going uh, where the wind took you guys? Um, you know, it, it really, I guess it wasn't that, um, there really wasn't like a roadmap. Uh, I mean, the, the plans were to get, I guess the only real plan was to just get in front of as many people as we could. And that were into, you know, kind of different styles of music. And I mean, for me, it's, I, I, I got into hardcore because I was a, um, huge fan of metal you know and and i think that and that's way more common today but back then i think it was more a lot of guys my age um and definitely older than me you know they they found hardcore uh sort of through the punk avenue and they were maybe into um you know there's a more of a blurred line back then much in the way that some you know hardcore quote-unquote hardcore and and metal these days is there's a blurred line um but, uh, yeah, I mean, there really wasn't any intention of, um, you know, try to, to be this or that. And there was really, I mean, it's easy to say it in hindsight, you know, seeing how different bands went in directions and, and different bands blew up and, 
and it's easy to say, you know, oh, uh, you know, they were shooting for this or that. They were they were trying to become what they became. But back then, it was, uh, you know, like I said, Hatebreed was the band, the only band that had really kind of bridged that gap. And so, um, yeah, there was no real, there was no real plan. You know, it was just kind of uh, for fun. But when we, you know, when we started to see that the band was gaining a lot of momentum, and then, um, you know, when when I ended up taking over um singing for the band uh and then we put haymaker out it, it, it kind of changed things um a good bit and um and uh you know we just wanted to kind of get out and in, in front of di- as many different people as possible and and um and you know we, we definitely did that i mean it wasn't long after haymaker came out we ended up doing that Ozfest in 2004 and um you know which was like a totally different ball game than than what we'd been used to and uh um, and you know, it was cool. It was, uh, it was just, um, you know, it was all like kind of a new adventure, you know what I mean? Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't know. We weren't really trying to follow suit in any particular way, but we just, like we were saying, we're trying to get out there and play as many different places and as many different types of shows as we could. Okay. I kind of want to um, go back to, you mentioned that you took over, uh, being on vocals. Was there ever a definitive reason why Keith left? Cause I as a fan, like I never really knew. I, I just knew that he was on like the first two records and then you just took over. Yeah. I, uh, cause I had played guitar. I didn't play. Um, I actually wasn't in the band on the, on the first release. And then I came in and then, um, it not, I think it was in 1999 is when I started playing guitar for the band. Um, and, uh, Keith was singing at the time. And then, uh, I didn't start singing until 2002, maybe. So I played guitar on two records. I played guitar on a, um, actually just an EP called drive me dead. And then on a full length that came out just right after that, um, called, you don't have blood to be family. Uh, and for a lot of people too, it's, it's, you know, it's funny because there's like people don't, there's a handful of people that, uh, you know, never really, um, (laughs) that follow the band after Keith had left. And then there's a whole segment of people that never even knew that there was a different singer or a different lineup or anything before that. So there's kind of these really big, you know, it's going to happen when there's a, whenever there's a singer change, of course, it changes kind of the identity and the, the character of the band in certain ways. But, um, you know, the lineup hadn't really changed. It was just, um, uh, you know, we just uh, switched roles. You know what I mean? So the band had stayed the same. But yeah, Keith, um, he was uh, in. He had just started being in. I think he just started with Eighteen Visions um, around the time we were recording Haymaker. So uh, he actually jetted off on a pretty. I remember eighteen. I can't remember what tour it was, but they got a pretty big tour. Um, and he, you know, we were kind of like halfway into recording Haymaker and he had to take off for that. So, um, it was already kind of like, I mean, it, it's, it's hard doing two different bands at the same time. I, I, it was never something I would be able to, to juggle or manage. And, and, uh, I, th- that was tough for him. And then as far as like, um, that, that's when he left the band, but as far as before that, a couple of years prior, he had, or at least a year prior, he had changed over to, um, playing guitar because, um, uh, keeping his throat healthy on tour was just not, wasn't working for him. He wasn't able to, um, uh, stay consistent he was kind of sort of blown his voice out regularly and, um, just kind of felt like the natural move for him to go and, um, cause you know, he's, he's a really good guitar player. He's a solid guitar player and he, um, uh, you know, more or less kind of took that role and then, um, 
you know, there's more ins and outs involved, but I, I ended up singing uh, for the band at that point. And was there ever any question of getting somebody else or do you guys just swap places and that was always going to be it? Uh, yeah, actually, it was kind of funny. I, I ended up sort of trying out. Um, I mean, in hindsight, it sounds it's it's so weird and and to think of it that it kind of pan out this way. But I sort of ended up trying out for <laughs> my own position in the band because, um, you know, I had come onto the band later on, and and uh, uh, Keith was, um, you know, had been in the band uh, since not since the inception, but pretty much since the beginning when things kind of started to get a little bit more serious. So, um, you know, it felt natural for him and for the other guys in the band, I think, that for him to remain in the band. I think the idea of Keith not being in the band was not in the cards. So they were like, well, you know, Keith's got to play guitar. So, uh, you know, it was kind of like, I'm like, all right, well, uh, so three guitar players or am I going to leave? And so it was kind of like, you know, there was sort of this awkward transitionary part. um, And they actually... uh, so I, I did actually kind of try out to, to sing. Um, and, uh, you know, I hadn't had any experience doing it, but I felt like, you know, how hard can this be? I'm screaming. It's not, you know, it's like, uh, and you know, so, it, uh, they tried out, um, uh, a couple of other guys, uh, one of which, um, Matt Mentley, who, uh, you know, has played bass for the band for a, a long time. Um, he had tried to uh, tried out for singing there and he's like, Oh, I can't hang with this. Like, you know, for full set for alone for a full tour. Um, so yeah, it just kind of ended up working out that way. And, um, I think everybody was kind of happy that it didn't have to be any sort of, uh, strange transition or any odd circumstances for anybody personally, you know, cause we were all really close friends too. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it worked out, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad things panned out the way they did. And, um, you know, I didn't have to lug any equipment around anymore, so that was nice. <laughs> yeah, did you get to play the role as the singer? That's awesome. And um, I, I can't remember what year it was. I, I want to say it was like 2004. Um, Throwdown played. Uh, it was like back to back nights at, at the Showcase Theater. And um, it was pretty funny, like uh, growing up, like I um, grew up in the Palm Springs area. So my friends and I piled in a car, drove out to Corona. And for some reason, none of us thought um, of buying tickets beforehand. So we just figured we would show up and be able to get tickets at the door. And we got there night one. It was sold out and we we're pretty pissed off because we're like, wow, we're idiots. We didn't buy tickets. And um, at the time, uh, the people at the door, they would just take your tickets up and they would draw an X on your hand. And um, my friends and I came up with like the bright idea of trying to sneak in by drawing our own X's on our hand. And uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because like we really wanted to get in and um, uh-huh. and like one out of like the five of us got in and we were pretty bummed because like the one friend, um, his name was Patrick. He, he got in and was just like having fun, like, you know, coming out in between bands and like kind of like trying not to like make us feel too bad. But, um, <laughs> uh, but we got to the point where he was like, you know what? Like, I feel bad making you guys wait for just me. So like, let's buy tickets for tomorrow and we'll just leave and come back. And <laughs> luckily, oh, um, that's, a, that's a good friend. That's, yeah. That's good, yeah. So, um, he, he felt bad enough. Um, didn't want to enjoy the whole show so we ended up buying tickets for the second night and we came back and i it was seriously like to this day like one of like my my favorite shows because just being in uh the showcase theater and like i'll 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 never forget i was like i was up front 
um, it's probably a stage right. And you, do you remember like there was the tunnel to like, you know, where bands would like load in and out the, the gear? Oh, yeah. 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 So like I'll, I'll never forget, like I was standing like at that side of the stage and everybody in the band was on stage and we're all kind of just like standing around, like waiting for the, like the set to start. And like I was just standing there minding my own business. Then all of a sudden, like I feel somebody like, you know, pushing down on my shoulder, like kind of like trying to like, you know, use me as a boost to get onto the stage. And I was like kind of pissed off. But like as I looked up, it was like you like getting on stage, getting ready to play the set. And I was like, like nerding out. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Dave just touched me. <laughs> That's cool. man. That's a trip. Uh, you know, what's so the wait? That was that was showcase. That was two nights. That was 2004. Yeah, it was like 2003, 2004. I, I can't remember what year it was, but it was like um like in like the early 2000s. Okay, so then Haymaker had already come out then when we had done those shows, right? Yeah, it's it's all a blur for me. I can barely I can barely put, especially the showcase shows, because that like that was that was just an era where it's like I attended so many shows and you know. Um, whether or not we were there watching a friend's band play or we were playing, it was just all kind of a blur, but you know, it's a trip like showcases and even th that building is still vacant. It's just like, there's no, there's no venue there, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been going to shows at that venue for, for years. You know, some of my earlier shows were, uh, um, were there, uh, and, uh, yeah, no, it, it was, yeah, it was a bummer when that place closed down. And I think they're actually doing a documentary or something about it. Now they're talking about the, the venue. I don't know what they're going to talk about for a whole documentary about the venue, but I, I'm guessing they'll probably interview a lot of the bands that came through there. And, um, yeah, it was definitely a, that, that, that spot was a staple for, you know, Southern California hardcore and, um, and metal. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was an awesome spot to play. It's kind of set up weird. I mean, for people that don't, you know, that have never been there. They had that railing or whatever, and you were kind of piled into the. It was sort of dangerous. I mean, it's like nowadays I can't imagine they would do a, a venue that way because you have people jumping from the back railing, and um, you know, it's like you had to either look for, at the stage or look back and make sure you weren't going to get blindsided by somebody. Uh, but yeah, it was, that, that venue was everything was awesome. Who who else was on that bill? Do I honestly can't remember. All, all I remember yeah. was like just two nights of throwdown. And that's all I cared about at the time. <laughs> yeah, man, that was uh, we did we did a couple nights at Chain also. That's why I wasn't sure if uh, if you meant that it was that show or or showcase. But I mean, that was a rarity. You know, it was only ever in um, Orange County or just outside where we would you know do two shows like that, or it would be you know that packed out. And um, but yeah, I, did, I had the same thing happen before too. We had to sneak into the we'd snuck into showcase. I don't know how many times um, to see bands because. Uh, um, you know, they would hit capacity pretty quick and the fire department would come down and, um, you know, put them in check and cite the venue and all that. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, we had one guy that used to figure out a way to get up onto the roof and he would crawl through the, the air duct, like, uh, you know, um, mission impossible style and all that and <laughs> find his way in. I don't think he ever paid for a ticket. <laughs> That's crazy. I'd never heard of anybody ever climbing on the roof and getting in that way. That, that sounds insane. Is one way to do it, I guess. Huh, that's pretty interesting. Um, so, for for me, growing up, uh, since I was like driving out from Palm Springs for shows, uh, first choice for us was always um, going to the showcase because it was closer, and like Chain was always like the second option. Um, for you, like um, being from Orange County, um, obviously, like I assume Chain was always like your guys' first choice over Showcase. You mean as far as playing it, or or yeah. like where? No, I mean. 
you know, there was like – actually, I don't know how long the, the overlap period was between those two venues, but there was, a, there was definitely a period where there was both Chain and Showcase that were doing shows, and I think that they kind of um, – you know, vied for tours and, and tried to get the bands to come to each, each venue. And at some phase, uh, when showcase closed down then you know, chain sort of became that spot. And, um, honestly, we really liked both venues. I think there was a few tours where we played both or instead of doing, you know, if, if we could, I mean, cause it's really kind of the same area. Uh, I know that, um, you know, they're probably a good 45 minutes apart, but it's the same crowd. Everybody would drive to the same, um, would drive to Corona or Anaheim or whatever. Um, but no, I mean, they're both, you know, they both had, we both had a lot of history and, and, you know, grew, grew up in kind of both venues there. So it was, it was cool to play either of them. I, I don't think that we were like, you know, partial to play one or the other. Um, it was always cool to get to play, uh, you know, if there was like a bigger show, if they put together a bigger bill, it was cool to be able to play glass house. Cause that was, a um, just a different, uh, you know, just sort of like a different scene and different, um, you know, kind of a more, I don't want to say it's not, a, I don't want to say chain is an legit venue, but it's a, it was a bigger venue and there was kind of more of a, you felt more of like that professional vibe versus sort of the, you know, small club vibe and, um, you know, not that glass house is big or anything compared to other large venues, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was always cool to do those too. But we, I mean, we played countless shows at, at, at chain and, uh, and showcase and they were both that was always awesome i mean i don't think i I can't i can never remember i would remember if there was a time where we were ever just super bummed that it didn't you know it fell short of expectation or whatever and that's the thing about those both those places is that we've never felt like we weren't at home you know it was always like a good homecoming to play those shows and um do them like at the tail end of a tour and you know finish things up you know close to home for sure. It's uh, funny that you bring out the glass house because that venue these days, I, I feel like they just don't get as many shows as they I'm used to. Yeah. You know, I see, I, I've got a friend who, who books, uh, shows at garden amp in garden grove, um, garden amphitheater. And I, I, I admittedly, and it, it probably would sound ridiculous to my friends if they knew, I've, I haven't been to a show there yet. I live super close to garden Grove. I live, I live in Huntington. So, um, I'm not that far from there, but I, I don't know that there's a lot of, I feel like there's not a lot of hardcore shows going to, um, to glass house. I think that maybe something between uh, there are, I think they're golden voice owned venue, but, um, I mean, they still have a lot of shows there. I'll, I'll go and see. I just saw Demon Hunter play not that long ago. They're, uh, you know, I mean, they're kind of more of a mainstream metal band. Um, I don't know if, you know, anybody listening would know anything about them at all. But um, I saw them. I'm, we're good friends with those guys uh, not that long ago. And it was killer. Um, and then uh, I saw, let's see, I saw Tesseract play there not that long ago, too, um, which is a band I'm, I'm super into right now. But, um, but yeah, I, I feel like as far as like kind of the more, you know, the club shows for, uh, you know, the whatever 2019 version of what we had, whether it's L.A. hardcore or Orange County hardcore, um, I, I feel like those are not happening uh, at that venue. Um, I, but, uh, but you know, I mean, like, ter- like I said, with Garden Amp, though, like, you know, Terror, I think, just had a show over there recently. And I feel like that's kind of come into being um you know, a spot that bands can come and, and play that's sort of maybe an alternative to, um, you know, what they'll do every other tour. They kind of mix it up. And then, um, and then there's the observatory too, which is, which is a nice venue. Uh, 
I've been to a couple shows there. The side room is killer. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, we're pretty spoiled though overall, I think. I mean, Orange County's got a, you know, we were bummed when showcase closed down, but it's like we immediately had that alternative to see every show at an awesome venue and chain. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think that we're, we're pretty fortunate in that regard. It's not every, um, you know, hardcore scene around the country that's got their, you know, pick of the litter as far as where they want to book their tour or their, or their, or their local show, you know? You mentioned uh, the Garden Grove Amphitheater. That place is pretty awesome because they have like the locker room, which is a, a like a part of it, which is like a smaller like indoor spot. And then I'm um, like for like the bigger stuff, they can have it in the actual amphitheater. Uh, right. Okay. That's what I thought because I've seen some pictures of it. So they've got like a smaller room or whatever. And then, it, it, but it is like an indoor outdoor kind of thing. Is there is the actual? Am I crazy? Is there is there a part of it that's it's like a uh, an outdoor? Yeah, yeah, component? yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. The, they have like the weird like stadium style seating, then like the the bigger stage. Right. So it's pretty cool there. Um, if I'm being honest, I I prefer like the intimate feel. So I like the inside better because like I like to me it's like a medium sized room, which I I think is awesome. Like with like a really small stage, I, I just like that setting better versus like the outdoor. Um, but I, I get why they would have it outdoor because like the um locker room doesn't fit that many people. For sure, yeah. No, I, it's kind of cool. It's different. I mean, there's I, I don't think that I don't think there's ever really been um. I don't know if there's really been anything like that in Southern California before, as far as like an outdoor that size, you know, cause I think garden amp is like, I don't know. Like what's, what shows have you seen there? Uh, do you see that terror show or did you see gorilla biscuits play there or any of those bands? No, um, I, I actually skipped the gorilla biscuits show. Uh, so I, I've actually only been to shows on the inside. Uh, and I've only oh, okay. seen the videos of the outside. Yeah. I've only seen videos of either, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it seems cool though. I mean, because it's the thing about playing outside is, is it, it does change. Like, I mean, I hate saying the word vibe, you know, but okay. like it, it, it really does. Like, it, it kind of changes things. It feels different, you know. It's like, um, and I feel like it's it's uh, and not in a bad way, just different, you know. But it, I think that it's um, it's pretty interesting. And I've I really wanted to catch a show there like two weekends ago. Actually, Mariachi El Bronx. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bronx, but um. They have that whole like separate band where the guys are all and they're all it's insane. I mean, they do this whole they've got I don't know how many records now four maybe. But um, it's all just straight mariachi music. And then um, you know, it's got like kind of a popular feel to it. I think it's a little bit more like palatable for your, you know, average like whatever white guy like me <laughs> compared to, you know, my wife's family who's all Mexican. They're probably like, ah, this is a mariachi. But, um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, they uh I wanted so bad to go see that show and I couldn't, I had something come up with my daughter and we weren't able to go. But, um, uh, I think that's awesome though, that they've got like kind of a smaller club sort of feel, but then they've got the outdoors thing, which, um, you know, I'll say like without trying to sound, you know, soft about it, it's, it's nice to be able to play outside. Cause I mean, like chain gets hot, you know, and showcase got hot and it was like, and especially before they started doing led lights, you know, it was like they had these incandescent stage lights just beating down on you. And yeah, it gets like well into a hundred some degrees and there's, you know, it, it gets pretty brutal. So that's it, kind of, it might, I mean, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how intimate it feels. I haven't really seen the, the actual stage set up, of course, but, uh, um, it's, it's pretty cool though, that they, they found that spot and that they can kind of, 
you know, offer something different than, than what other, um, you know, like the observatory has or the, or chain for, for example. Yeah. In my opinion, that locker room is like highly underrated and I wish they would book more shows there. Oh yeah. Yeah. How, how many, what's the capacity on that? Honestly, I have no idea. Like a couple hundred people, maybe probably like 200 max because it's not that big. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, especially especially when it's for smaller shows. And I mean, I I love when in places that's what I like about the um, the Constellation Room at the observatory. It's like no matter what show is in there, it's it's always packed in. You don't have the big, you know, horseshoe or whatever. It's like um, you're always kind of packed in there. And, uh, you know, I mean, whatever, it can be uncomfortable, like physically. But it's like as far as for the, the feel of the show, I mean, that's what you want. You want like everybody packed in there. You want to feel, you know, close to the audience. You don't want to have that, you know, literal and, and figurative, uh, you know, divide between you and the crowd. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a place that I'd I'd. Uh, I'd I'd like to play, you know. I mean, if if Throwdown does a, <laughs> you know, an Orange County gig ever again, then um, that would be a both both the Garden Amp and the Observatory and the small room would be, I think, cool spots to play. Well, you have your buddy that's booking shows there, so I feel like it's I not do. too far off. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, I think that could that could pan out, you know. Um, well. In November, if you're um, not busy, because I know you, you said you've been wanting to check out the Garden Amp, there's like two hardcore shows happening like in the middle of November. Like it's like a Saturday Sunday. Like on Saturday, it's um, Youth of Today. Um, they're oh, playing crazy. with like some awesome bands like Initiate, Wise, and then that um, following day on th- on the Sunday, it's Judge and Down to Nothing. Oh wow, yeah. You know what? It's got to be. It's got to be my buddy that's booking those shows. I, I, you know, I need to make my way out and actually see one of those. I mean, there's so many. I mean, I know that they're not like reunion shows at this point because I think that Youth of Today has played. Uh, um, they've gotten back together and played other shows, right? Yeah. In the yeah. last, okay, yeah. And Judge now, it's like that's like they're just like a band again. It's kind of crazy, but um, uh, yeah, that's uh, that'd be something I'd like to see. Um, I'd be stoked to see. That'll of course be in the in the uh, actual outdoor venue, right at the amphitheater park. As far as I know, their advertising is it being in the locker room. But if they sell oh, enough shit. tickets, yeah. Um, as far as I know, like um, from what I'm hearing is it's being advertised as in the locker room. But if they sell enough tickets, they'll move it to the amphitheater. Okay, yeah. That's the other th- cool thing too about those places that have like the smaller rooms. You know, I mean, we had um, that wasn't like you never had that kind of <laughs> that like, well, glass house had that glass house used to have a smaller room. I, I think now they've just turned it into like a bar and then the, or maybe a merch area or something. Um, I'm not sure. I've only really kind of been in that main room, but, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of good for like, that's ideal. I mean, if you're, if you're a band and you're, you know, I mean for the bands anyway, it's like, you know, you're, you're never sure. I mean, not, there's no guarantee that a show is going to be awesome, especially if you're going to another place that's not your, your hometown or whatever. And, um, or if you're doing like a reunion show or if you're doing something that's kind of like, you know, a travel show, whatever it's, it's, that's great to have that kind of security blanket of like, Oh, Hey, we could play this small room. And if it gets bigger, great, we can kind of step up and play this bigger room. But, um, if not, then it, you know, we've got it made here. It's not going to feel like you've got, you know, 10 people in a, in a, you know what I mean? Like that sparse kind of, bummer vibe of when the show's not full or it's a you know whatever wednesday night in the middle of nowhere and um it's just you know not sold it's not sold to capacity so 
Um, yeah, that's cool. That, that's that's great. They can do that, and they just have the both. They just have those two rooms, right? There's not a third. Yeah, no section no, of that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, one last thing on the glass house, I I have to mention. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but it was a Christmas show. I saw um, you guys and Sinai Beach play. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember you guys like dressing up as like reindeers and like Santa Claus. I I thought it was like one of like the coolest things ever. <laughs> I I don't. We did the reindeer thing. Yeah, did, was that us? Oh man, yeah. We did like. Uh, I mean, we did a lot of those Halloween shows, and we you know dressed up as nonsense like a handful of times i i honestly can't remember which was which and we would just go to like whatever like that one of those spirit halloween stores and just whatever they had five of we would get or four of depending on the show um yeah that was cool though man we uh i still keep touch with um uh mike from sinai beach he's a really good dude uh and and sean as well um whenever i'll get a chance to um you know run into those guys it's cool it's uh not a band that I think a lot of people are super familiar with. I mean, for sure, like in, you know, um, you know, where they were from, which I think was like Corona in the empire area. Um, you know, they had probably a lot of handful of people, but we took them on a tour as well. And it was, uh, they were one of those bands was super cool to hang out with on the road. And, um, I'll tell you that, I mean, that just like, that's such a big component that, um, is actually, you know, when you're doing club tours, you're in a van and you're, you know, whatever, kind of hanging out around the venue all day. Like, you know, I mean, as soon as you get out of the van, it's like the last people you really want to hang out with are the guys in your band. You know, it's like you've been in the van for an eight hour drive or whatever it is. Uh, so it was cool. Like a band like that, like Sign Up Beach are really good dudes in there. It was uh, they were cool to tour with because it was like you got somewhere and you're like, oh, cool. I get to see these guys. and We get to hang out before the show and after the show and whatever, you know, and um uh, yeah, it's one of those. I'm not really sure what what they ended up doing though. I think that they they may have gotten back together and done a reunion show at one point not that long ago. Yeah, uh, that's uh, accurate. Um, but they, they 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 got back and played one of the Face Down Fests. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. Which um which was cool because uh, for a while uh, Face Down was kind of um, doing the fest still and bringing back like a legacy band, um, but that uh, ended because like they didn't do one this year. No, okay. But. Yeah, because who did they who did they have play the the year that that uh, Sinai Beach played? Um, if I'm being honest, I don't know off the top of my head, and I can look it up. Yeah, there's a website for that where you can just put things in there, and then it'll give you answers. Um, I just kind of go to Google. If I'm being honest. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't sure if that's what you were alluding to, or if you were you're like um, this, this uh, guy. How old is he? Uh, <laughs> no, like, I I don't think you're like super old. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty old. I'm gonna be forty in January, so I'm getting old. You, you said forty. Forty. Yes. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. You don't look 40 at all. That's um, <laughs> that's just because there's no recent pictures of me floating around. I, I, I look 40. I, I'm being real honest with myself. I think I look 40. Okay. I, I definitely I definitely looked 40 a year ago. I, I, before I when, when my daughter was on the way, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to eat whatever. Like, I'm just like, it was like my wife was on bed rest when she was pregnant with her for a bit. So we were just, you know, sitting around eating Del Taco and whatever. So, um, yeah, no, I, I look 40, man. Uh, that's, that's the truth. 
<laughs> okay, well, I'll have to, um, you know, see what you actually look like in person at some point. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so uh, it was 2014 when Sinai Beach played Face Down Fest, and they headlined. Oh, okay. um, yeah, they, they headlined the first night. It was like them, War of Ages. Um, oh yeah, War of Ages. We played with. We did a couple tours with those guys too, or one tour with those guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I I actually like Face Down was like. Um, pretty like important for me like in my like early days of hardcore because like um back then it was just like uh, to me it was like a different vibe they had like uh like couple like i feel like just like way more like actual like hardcore bands on the label like you know in due time seventh star death star yeah death star <laughs> yeah that band was wild a lot of people on yeah. stage yeah oh, it was crazy i was just looking i don't know where it came up but um i'll, I'll sometimes keep touch with those dudes uh you know, usually just during social media or if I'll, I'll, you know, run into somebody or whatever. But, um, yeah, I was like looking at an old photo and I'm like, there's like nine dude. I didn't, I think they had just like, I think it was kind of like a path resistance thing too. You know, it's like they just had guys kind of hanging around, but there's like a photo with like, it was like eight dudes or something. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't think you see that really much anymore as far as multiple singers. Are there really any bands? I'm admittedly a little bit out of the loop as far as what's, you know, current and relevant with new hardcore. But is that a thing that's 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 more that's still happening at all? It was always kind of like a fringe thing, I think, during that era back in you know early 2000s and the 90s. But um, are there like two singer bands still no to, to be honest i i can't think of one off the top of my head like the only one that was actually like pretty prominent was like um this band it was like a couple of years ago um actually next way more like a couple of years ago i think they broke up in like 20 like 13 or 14 i can't remember off the top of my head but it was this band called My minority unit it was like an awesome straight edge band with like a bunch of like guys and they had that kind of style where like um they had just like a bunch of people on stage like literally like um they would be passing off the microphone like singers are stage diving there in the set and it's kind of it was kind of cool because like, they would always wear like their own shirt so you can kind of identify who's actually in the band on stage and not just some random stage <laughs> diver yeah because it's a security guard's nightmare right they're like okay are you in the band i know there's like 30 guys in this band we kind of let you back on stage you know yeah <laughs> well, that's funny that, that's that's cool though i mean i don't know I, I, that was never i just always thought that was an interesting anomaly you know that that they would have these bands with multiple singers and you don't really see that outside of uh <coughs> well i guess there were some metal bands that did it and then there was you know of course like you had your lincoln park and whatever and um that but uh yeah i i, I uh that's that's funny nothing quite like death star though uh, that's yeah. um <laughs> you remember uh donnie brook had two singers at one point oh yes yes yeah we uh we did um we did a local well, not local but uh like kind of southwest run with them and had a had a good time it was uh um it was awesome touring with those guys yeah hell yeah um Speaking of uh, touring, uh, the last like tour that I could remember that you guys did, correct me if I'm wrong, was the the Brawloween. Yes. Yeah, we did. Um, that was uh, I mean, we had already stopped kind of touring for maybe about a year and a maybe about a year or a year and a half, like full time anyway. But um, we did that Brawloween as far as local stuff. Um, that was 2011. Uh, we did the Brawloween tour, the Brawloween shows. Um, I think we did Arizona, um, a few in California, northern, northern and southern California, and um, 
maybe a Vegas show. Hey, Reno, I think we did. Um, but, um, yeah, that was like the last like string of shows. I mean, we, we've done, um, some festivals since then. Um, I, you know, we got together and did, uh, uh, the name is escaping me right now. There's a festival in Belgium, um, that we had, actually not played ever when we were touring regularly and we've been asked a handful of times just never worked out scheduling wise and then finally it came together when the band was you know basically like kind of in this idle weird state of playing shows every you know blue moon um but uh i can't remember the name of the damn festival but um we did that like in 20 i'm really bad with the years i'm not gonna remember but that was a you know handful of years back and then we did a show in uh, montreal as well the year before that um like a big festival there or whatever and it kind of had a mishmash of different bands hardcore and metal and everything in between but yeah, yeah that was I like the real like local wise that was what we did last was Halloween. yeah i think montreal was 2014 and then the belgium was 2015 yeah yeah that's right belgium was um I can't remember the name of the damn. I can't even pronounce it. It starts with like a G. It's like Grozik or Grezrock. 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 There you Gro- go. Gro- Grozrock. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know I'd get it. Um, yeah, that was cool. I, I mean, th- those were, you know, those are just kind of those rare opportunities where it's like, oh, there's this festival spot, and it's going to be kind of this built-in like. Um, I mean, it's a lot of work to do one show. You know, uh, fly out to Europe for. I mean, I think we did that Grezrock show. It was like, I think we flew into. Netherlands took a flight over to um, Belgium and then we're back. I think we did round trip within like two days. I think we played that show and left the next day. We didn't do any other shows around it because um, it was hard enough just to put together with everybody kind of in their current life mode. And then, um, but yeah, you know, weekend in Europe uh, <laughs> is uh, one way to do it. I'm always curious because there's bands uh, that I listen to will like, you know, not do anything in the States, but then they'll fly out there to do those interesting festivals. I, I'm just curious, like, what's the motivation behind actually doing something like that? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of it's funny because, uh, you know, the, the joke is that bands go to Europe to die. Um, you know, when they when they can't tour successfully around the clock in in the states, they can go to Europe, where we're truthfully, and it's it's not even like it's a slight on these bands, and or um, you know, or it's a a knock on U.S. hardcore versus uh, you know European or whatever. But um, you know, they they kind of have like this. I don't know. I mean, I, there are bands that will play Europe multiple times a year, and they've just kind of built it in there, and and. And it's not like I feel like the kind of trend cycle for bands, the popularity of them, it's it's a longer cycle for bands in, in uh, American bands going to Europe. And um, and, you know, there's a fervor for bands like, uh, you know, that just will never go away, which is everlasting. And I'm glad it is for, you know, for your bad balls, agnostic fronts, um, uh, you know, hate breed, all, all these bands, terror, um, uh, you know, these you know, integral New York hardcore bands. Um, so I don't know, but I mean, as far as like when bands will go and just do one, I think that there's like, I think there's like a safety element in it. In it you know, it's, I think that bands, um, will sometimes go, I mean, for us, it's like, Hey, you know, if we go out there and, and, and we suck, we're, you know, we're 7,000 miles, 6,000 miles from home, whatever it is. Um, and, 
you know, it's it's it, and they're going to be stoked to see us anyway because when's the last time we were in Europe? Whereas, you know, I mean, last time we may have been in, um, you know, the U.S. was at least back in the day was, um, you know, maybe the year or the a year prior, you know, where you play these back to back tours, you did a sport tour. So there's a risk in that. I think there's kind of a thing for, you know, bands they like. Um, and you can kind of make sometimes you can make a vacation out of it, which is nice, you know, when these bands won't play in the States. But, um, you know, the, I mean, the truth is, is that they can, um, you know, they can make it worth it to play a single show. And so a band that's not in a mode where you're and you I mean, you have festivals in the States that will do that, too. I mean, there's there's pretty much, you know, like I mean, in Europe, there's like in the summer, it's just every weekend there's a festival in every country or in, you know, every city in every country. It's just like, it's the season for, um, metal and hardcore festivals and bands go out there and, and book tours around that. Um, but I think that the, you know, things for bands that are kind of like in this state where they're not really active and they're not, you know, or they're like throwdown where it's like, Oh, Hey, if something comes across the table to do, then that's cool. But you know, it's hard to, to financially make it work if you guys are in and you know time-wise make it work with family to play a show um and for you know let alone four families or four guys that are you know um have other things going on so europe it's it's all kind of like put together they go hey you have a back line there we're gonna fly you out here um you play this one show it, it you know sometimes they'll fly family out it'll be you can do that as well um and you know they'll, they'll make it worth your while to where you don't feel like you're spending all this time prepping for it or whatever to where it's it's gonna fall flat you know what i mean whereas you might have to do you know two weeks of shows in the states in order to make that happen and just um it's just not this is not viable, you know, for a lot of bands, for a lot of a lot of guys that are not touring full time anymore, that they're in that kind of stage in the band's career. So I, th- I think that's kind of there's there's a handful of reasons. But I mean, for for us, that's sort of, you know, what it was was just. Um, but, you know, they'll come up. They'll, these things will come up, too. And it's like it's admittedly like more, you know, in the, in the U.S., if you get an offer to do something outside of one of the you know two major hardcore festivals, um, you know, Sound of Fury or um, this is hardcore. Um, you know, those are like the prominent annual festivals. Um, but outside of that, if you're getting an offer to play something, it's, you know, it's a tour, you know what I mean? And, um, and you know, for a band like Throwdown, for a handful of bands from our era, uh, that aren't broken up officially, but just kind of play now and then, um, yeah, they can't commit to a full tour, even if it's like two weeks. So, uh, so yeah, it's like the one-off festivals are kind of nice. Like everything's sort of built in. And even if you have to travel a lot for it, it, it's um it's kind of a cool experience, you know. So you um brought up something very interesting. You mentioned this is hardcore and Sand and Fury. Have there been offers in the past? Um, you know, we kind of casually talked to um because we know both uh you know Mar- I'm you know we've known Martine forever from um Terror and uh Donnybrook and now Sound and Fury. Um, and then, uh, we've known Joe from this is hardcore for a long time too. I mean, when Throwdown, I mean, before I was even in the band, uh, playing guitar, uh, I think that Joe had booked Throwdown's first Philly show in like 97 or something. So, you know, we go back with both of those, those festivals and, and, you know, really value and respect what they're doing. Um, I think that we had spoken, uh, to answer the question, I, we'd, we'd spoken kind of casually about Sound and Fury at one point. And maybe this is hardcore or another, but um, last year we were, or last year, this year, uh, we had talked a little more 
seriously about it. I, I we ended up talking to both those guys because we um, we initially had a plan to um, do a show with Keith singing and me playing guitar and doing just old songs, and then it just kind of fell apart. I think that we all kind of the guys in the band um, that from that era lineup, we just kind of saw things a little differently maybe. And it was sort of maybe turning into something we couldn't all work. So um, the idea was maybe doing, uh, I personally wanted to do like just, a, you know, a show at chain reaction, do something smaller. And, but the idea had been thrown around that, Hey, maybe it would be good to do these festivals for kind of all, all the reasons that I had mentioned before. And um, so we had kind of loosely talked about, um, uh, you know, doing one or the other. And, uh, one of the guys wanted to do, to do both. Um, uh, I don't know if any bands really do both, but, um, but yeah, we had, we had had some, you know, chats about it, but, um, but, uh, yeah, nothing like that got, you know, obviously nothing that really kind of came to fruition. Okay. Cause like, I, f- I feel like, uh, Throwdown's like that one band that's kind of always like being rumored, uh, when it comes to these like festival lineups. Cause when you like kind of look <laughs> across the board, like, like a lot of bands have gotten back together, um, from your era or they just have never broken up and they're still active in the scene. So it's just kind of like, you know, there's like this big question mark on like, you know, when's Throwdown going to play again? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's actually I, that's kind of news to me. Um, you know, when I had talked to Joe a little bit about this is our core, he was saying like, man, there's a whole generation of kids now that were, you know, I mean, they were, you know, babies when when Throwdown had gotten together. But, um, you know, that are kind of into that sort of um, style and era, um, which which it it uh, it does doesn't surprise me. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, that that there's people that are that much younger that come around and that you're kind of like now one of those like you know legacy bands in a way um i I mean legacy is not the right word but you're one of those old bands you know i mean where it's like um you know it's like oh this is this style has come back around and then and you were a part of that um it doesn't it doesn't surprise me it's it's just it's uh it's cool but um you know it shouldn't surprise me because it's like you'll see so many of these reunions happening And, and to be honest with you that was um and you know again this is not a knock on um, I mean, I, I, you know, especially like, uh, you know, 18 visions is a band that have been close to those dudes for a very long time. Um, it was really cool seeing them get back together, do that observatory show. I know that they did, this is hardcore. Um, not that long ago, maybe last year or the year before. Um, and then, uh, I know martyr did a year of this is hardcore, which looked insane. Um, and you know, that's cool. I just, I feel like, um, you know, and, and it's like, and I've been, and it's not even a, like I said, it's not a knock on the whole concept of doing reunion shows. I think that there's, you know, a time and place for them and it's, it's, it's fun for the band. It can be fun for people coming out, but I also don't like to, I also would hate to be, I mean, there's been some reunion shows where we just, you know, the world could have gone on without them happening, you know? And it's like, and I would just hate to have it, you know, get this kind of romanticized, uh, you know, I mean, the, the truth is, is that doing a show where it's like, you know, we're all where we do like maybe sort of that, that, you know, throw down 1.0 lineup with Keith singing me playing guitar. I think that the there's nothing that's going to be better than the memory and the experience itself of that. And it'd be cool to come back and do that. But I also wouldn't want to get kind of this idea that it, you know, like, oh, and in. in in doing this, it's going to feel like it used to. It just and it never will, you know, and you also don't want to 
you know, kind of, uh, you know, you don't want to taint that at all with something that's different than what it used to be. And, and, and I don't know. So I, uh, I, for me, that's like, like, you know, I have such good memories of, you know, those, those days and, you know, and, and touring full time and doing all these things that like, I just kind of like to the idea of just sort of being selective and making sure that it just kind of feels right to do, you know? And, and, um, uh, I just think that it's kind of become this, like you said, I mean, like, I, I think that, that, you know, there are kind of, we've get, well, I'll get messages on, uh, social media where it's like, Hey, when's Throwdown going to do the reunion? Cause we just saw bands, you know, X, Y, and Z do it. And for me, it kind of feels like, Oh, it's just sort of become the thing that you do, you know? And, um, not that, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be a contrarian about it. Like if it's the thing you do and it's great every time, then cool. Like, you know, then do that thing. I just, I think that, uh, it kind of, um, it's not great every time, you know? And it's like, I mean, there's bands that I, that, you know, got together for one show and, um, I mean, it's like in Orange County and here's the thing too, is that Orange County, um, we've always been spoiled with the tours and the shows we've gotten and every band wants to hit, you know, hardcore wise always want to hit Orange County, at at least back in, in our era. Um, and back when I was, um, growing up, so we were always spoiled with shows. Every band wanted to come here and it was like, you could always count on Orange County being one of the best shows on the tour. So, you know, inevitably when bands will do reunions, a lot of times they'll do an Orange County show or they'll get on a small tour of West coast that includes Orange County, which is kind of, you know, crown jewel in the, in the thing in their little run. Um, but you know, so admittedly I'll see, I'm not going to every one of these reunion shows, but I'll see, you know, footage or I'll have friends that have gone to them. And it's like, I, you know, I think that like, um, if you go into it uh, for a lot of them, if you go into it with the, the mindset of like, Oh, you know, this could be cool just to kind of walk down memory lane and see this. And, and, um, you know, uh, regardless of how well the band plays the songs or whatever, it's just like, I I don't know. Sometimes there's some, uh, there are, there are, you know, songs and bands and, and whatever is like, you know, it's just like, let it, let it stay where it was, you know? And, and I just would never, ever want to be that, you know what I mean? Especially on like a festival bill where it was like, people have this idea of it's going to be something it's not, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. Um, I, I've been banging like this drum for like a long time where uh, I feel like the reunions have kind of gone stale and we still need to kind of refocus and realize that uh, bands that are currently around actively touring, playing shows, putting out new music, like those are the bands that we need to focus on so we can kind of get away from the reunions because I don't want to, you know, look back and be like, oh, crap, like I, w- I was bummed that I missed that band in their heyday because we were focusing on other things. But uh, but there's still you know, a, a couple bands out there that I wouldn't be upset with that came back. And um, for you guys, in my opinion, is like kind of like a different story because you guys never really broke up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we never I just never saw for us. It was, there's not it wasn't like a reason to it was just kind of like. You know, I mean, we stopped touring in, I want to say, it's the beginning of 2010, I remember, because I had just turned 30. And uh, basically, our, our guitar player at the time, Mark, was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm burnt. You know, we can't. We had an, we actually had an offer to do a really big support tour. And um, we were like, okay, like, this is, this is awesome. You know, we're all kind of worn out, but, um, you know, we should do this. And then it just kind of hit this breaking point where we're like, hey, you know, we, um, we were, uh, 
you know, it, it gets tiresome on the road. You're away from home for so long. It's a, you know, you've probably heard every band and every every member say this ad nauseum, but you know, it, it, it wears on you and it's not, it's not glamorous, you know, it, it's a, it's um, not an ideal lifestyle to live. Um, some people love it and like being kind of nomadic and, you know, um, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, I did it. Uh, you know, I played music for a living and for, and cause I loved it and, um, love it. And, uh, um, you know, and it was in spite of the, what you had to do in order to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just didn't really see any reason to, you know, break up. It's like some bands, they go through this, this whole, like, yeah, it's a, you know, they, they, you get a, you, you, there's a screenshot of a Facebook message of all these reasons and whatever. And then, and sometimes bands need to break up. I mean, first pers- for personal reasons, it's like, you know, if, if you guys are just not happy together as people, then why do that? You know, why keep why keep doing that? Why keep making music together? Just, you know, if you're, if you're going to kind of phone it in, you're going to just go to go through motions. If you're not going to make new music, but, um, but yeah, I mean, for throwdown, I was kind of like, Oh shit, you know, it's like we, maybe we'll want to play a show here and there. Uh, why do I want to make this big proclamation of the band is breaking up just cause we're not touring anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I think intolerance came out in 2014, 14 maybe yes 2014 um, 14 yeah um so i mean which is crazy that's now five years ago I, t- I, I mean it feels like you know uh not that long ago at all that we were recording that record but um but yeah i don't know it just it just uh i i just never saw a reason it seemed like there's kind of like this handbook for bands it's like okay if you, you know if you're gonna stop touring then you break up and then you and then you go away and then you come back and then and then some bands just, you know, write their own handbook and they'll go, you know, do three years of last shows and whatever. And it's just nonsense. And I just I never saw any reason to kind of do it any particular way. I just kind of figured if something came up, we wanted to play or we wanted to make some songs, then that opportunity would always be there. And then it's not like I mean, everybody calls it a reunion. And, and for sure, if, if there was a show where, you know, uh, Keith was singing and it was old members and whatever old songs, that would be a reunion, essentially, because it's like two different bands with the same name but um uh but you know it, it's just uh i don't know i i, I wouldn't well, i guess it really wouldn't be it's a reunion of sorts but um it you know uh yeah i just i never really felt like we needed to you know it's just kind of like you know go on a hiatus or whatever you know just or play when you want to play there's nothing wrong with that that's that's how every band starts so i don't think there's any reason that you can't finish that way you know yeah. Okay. So I kind of want to switch gears. I, I kind of want to jump back to 2005. You guys put out Vendetta. Mm-hmm. And so like at that point, that record came out um, like a lot of my friends um, who were super huge into Throwdown, that record uh, kind of turned them off. And yeah. for me, I like loved everything prior. So I was like, okay, like, I'm going to check it out. Like I can't like, you know, let people um, tell me what to think. I, I got to form my own opinion. And it was like one of the first times in like my hardcore career where 
I enjoyed a record that my friends didn't, and they tried every which way to try to persuade me that it wasn't great. That sucked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I was like, I, I get where you guys are coming from. Like, it, it's not um, what you're used to, but uh, in, in my mind, I was like, okay, this band is, uh, you know, getting bigger. They have to progress and they have to try uh, to, you know, grow their sound. But my friends at that point just didn't really get it. Um, was that why you guys uh, kind of went or leaned more towards like the metal side? Um, no, I mean, it, it wasn't like a reactive, it wasn't a reactionary kind of thing. Um, okay. but you're hundred percent right. I always love talking to people that, um, that are familiar with the band that were close to the scene and the, and the time and the era that, um, you know, saw the records through that same lens that we had seen it through because it's so funny because now it's like, <laughs> there's like this revisionist history, I think of, of, you know, people look back and they go, oh, Vendetta is like such a raw, like hardcore record. And it's exact. But it's so funny because if you go back, you know, 14 years now, when it first came out, it was like it was like we might as well have been we might as well have had a DJ or, a, you know, like it, it was just so it was so foreign to so many people that we were doing. And we were like, really, this record sounds that different. I mean, it was faster, you know, it had a lot of and there were some metal parts in there. But, you know, it was like a far cry. I mean, like, you know, if when Venom and Tears came out, then Vendetta, it made it sound like, you know, um, fucking judge, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It's yeah, like, yeah. But, um, but no, you know, it, uh, the band, I think, kind of went more, I mean, as I sort of settled into, like, when I started first playing guitar for the band, it was like, um, you know, the metal influences, I think, that people didn't really, it's just so weird because it's like the metal influences that the band had, um, when I was just playing guitar, when I sort of come in, were more on like the machine head sort of, you know, um, tip of things um, versus like the, you know, Pantera Slayer, which is kind of, I mean, I love machine head, but I'm saying like the bands that I grew up on that were, um, you know, critical for me were Pantera Slayer, um, uh, Sepultura. And so there were like some of those elements in the band and then, but I hadn't really gotten into writing any songs for the band until, um, like 2001 maybe. So I'd been in the band for a couple of years. I only kind of just chipped in some parts here and there. Cause I kind of felt like I was, it takes a while. Like when you join a band that wasn't yours, um, it takes, it takes a bit to feel that kind of ownership and that, um, level of comfort to where you want to contribute to the identity of it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it was just like a matter of kind of settling in and doing and writing and playing. Um, cause you know, I mean, I continued to write, uh, I mean, for Vendetta, I, I wrote the wild majority of that record. So for me, it was just a matter of like, well, this is, this is how I write. This is the music that I listen to. So there was nothing conscious about it. It was just kind of like, you know, if I pick up a guitar, it's kind of riff I'm going to write. And it, it just sort of came out that way. Um, because, uh, you know, that record in particular, I, um, I was pretty heavy handed in, in, in the writing. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's really funny because it's like with every record, it's like, it, you know, a new record comes out and then it's like, it's like, then the old one some, somehow becomes the cool one, you know, where it's like, when it comes out, it's like, like we have people that tell us that they, 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 you know, loved Haymaker and Venda. And it's so funny because that people will lump that, uh, I'm saying they'll tell us that now, you know, and it's just so funny that they'll lump those two records together because at the time they were far from lumped together. And even when Haymaker came out, which was like, you know, I think the band that I think the record that that um, people, especially in hardcore, recognized the band for. And um, 
uh, you know, like if you were to pick a, like one song that anybody would know by our band, um, aside from that baby back got back cover, it would be the, um, uh, be forever, you know? So I think that, um, it, it's so funny too, cause when Haymaker came out, it was like, people were like, Oh, what the, what the fuck is this? You know? And it was like, but now it's like, that's the, the record, you know, it's like, if you, if we didn't, didn't play any songs off of that, it would be like, you know, blasphemous with respect to the band. Um, so it's just funny how like time will change those things. And, and you get the kind of this, like, you've got this one version, this one, you know, idea of what's, what a record is or what, you know, what it sounds like at the time it comes out and when it's new and it's fresh. And then when you revisit it later, you're like, Oh yeah, whatever. no, you know, that's, this record's not different, different from this one. Or, um, or, you know, you get this kind of different, uh, you see it through a different lens than you did initially. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, you know, it wasn't a conscious thing, you know, to go more like, like metal. It was like, that's for me joining throwdown playing guitar was kind of odd for me. Like there were some, there was some, you know, overlap with like, okay, the band plays like some, you know, the writing style, Keith's, Keith's writing style was like, okay, he's got some Sepultura influence and a little bit of machine head. I like those things, but, um, you know, I was kind of more into thrash and in general and, um, and it wasn't that kind of band, but you know, there's a lot of some, we liked a lot of the same stuff and, and, uh, you know, we were, you know, all hate breed fans that had that, that common interest. And it was like, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it just felt, it felt really natural. It wasn't like we, I, I think that rarely do bands sit down and go, Hey, we have to write a record that sounds like this. I think any, any band that's not disingenuous and that's, you know, making music that they really like themselves, they can't sit down and map out a record that way. I think that it just, it never comes out right. You, you hear, it'll never stand the test of time. You'll never go back and revisit those records that are so, um, you know, kind of, uh, um, uh, that's where I'm looking for, like, you know, preemptively designed, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, um, nowadays like Vendetta is the most quote unquote hardcore record in some people's eyes. So it's, it's just funny how things change. And one other thing, um, in Vendetta, Venom and Tears and Deathless, there's no mention of the word straight edge. Was that by design? You know, I, um, no, not really. It, it was just like it, through those records, it was like, okay, I mean, how many different ways can we can we say this? I will say this actually on Vendetta, it felt like um, it, it did kind of feel like there was this notion of you know I'm 24 making this record and and it was like everybody expects you to write the sequel to the anthem you had on the record before that. And for us, that song was also the biggest song that we'd ever had. It was always got the best reaction, and and for for me anyway. And I think the you know I can't speak for the other guys in the band at that time, but it seemed kind of like well, why do you want to why do you want to try and compete with yourself, and why do you want to get up there and do the same thing twice when that record just came out a year and a half before? Um, and it was kind of seemed like there wasn't a reason. So I was like, well, you know why. Why make the anthemic kind of song? So, you know, I did a did songs that were kind of, um, you know, the same wheelhouse that you would consider straight edge songs, but uh, and were about, you know, straight edge either directly or loosely for me, um, uh, discipline and then um, uh, um, where it ends. Um, th- or this is where it ends. I can't remember how it's titled on the record, but it, it the last song on that record, uh, you know, it's like. Um, I don't know. I did kind of want to do something different because it was like, 
I wanted to have straight edge songs that weren't just so, um, I, I guess, uh, just, you know, blatant in that, in that respect that were a little bit more like you actually had to read the, you know, the lyrics that we printed to know that the song was about straight edge. And I thought that there was something to that, you know, something cool, something, um, but, uh, you know, of course, to, to everybody else at the time, it didn't bother to read the lyrics. You just go, oh, these guys must not be straight edge anymore. Uh, you know, there's they're not making straight edge songs. They're not, you know, whatever, and which wasn't true. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like at the time there was no real – it didn't seem like a need to do that. It seemed like it was kind of rehashing something. And then we figured if somebody wanted to hear that uh, kind of song, we'd already done it, um, you know, a couple times. Okay. Um, so, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was like, uh, um, you know, it wasn't until intolerance came out where I was kind of like, ah, oh, well, this would be cool to, to do that again, you know? And then there was more than one of those songs on that record. Um, so real quick, uh, you guys were pretty active from the start, but after deathless, it was probably like the biggest gap in between records. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, was there a reason you guys took some time off? Did you guys want just like some extra time just to kind of let Deathless sit? Or did you guys want like, you know, more time to write the next record? Well, you know, essentially that's when uh, that's when the band, I mean, you know, like I said, the band never really broke up. It was just kind of like this indefinite hiatus with these, you know, random flickers of activity. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it was not that long after Deathless had come out that, um, we had, like I said, it was two thousand. So Deathless came out in two thousand nine. Two thousand nine in like, I don't know if it was August or if it was, I can't remember what month that record came out in. But um, uh, that record came out like probably in the second half of two thousand nine, if I had to remember correctly. And then yeah, it says um, November. Okay, yeah, yeah. So so it wasn't long after that we got that offer for a bigger support tour, and it was um, uh, we kind of. You know, that's when Mark had essentially said, you know, hey, I don't want to I don't really want to tour full time anymore. And, um, and it really kind of felt like, you know, and, and I mean, in hindsight, we were we were like, oh, well, what are we going to do? And this is crazy. But, uh, you know, I'm really grateful that somebody decided that that they needed to stop at that time, because I think that, you know, um, yeah, it was like the right, it was the right time, like to, to kind of hit, pump the brakes on actually going out and doing that as a career. And, and, um, and so, I mean, that's why the, the such the gap is that, uh, I mean, really the band, uh, as far as like from a full time went from full time to no time, you know, in, um, uh, in 2010. So, um, you know, it was, it was years before, um, you know, and then following that, there was only those, those handful that Brawloween, uh, run that we did. And then, uh, um, you know, put that record together, put, uh, intolerance together in 2013. But, um, yeah, I mean, the gap was just like a matter of like finding the time to do it really. Uh, you know, I had these kind of riffs and ideas laying around and then actually just kind of buckling down and putting it together for a record was, a, you know, something that, that, um, felt like it was the right time to do it. You know, when, when we uh, recorded intolerance, I remember when you guys released the, the single avow and my buddy had sent it to me. He's like, Holy shit. Like third Island has like a new single out. And it was definitely like, a, uh, it felt like you guys were kind of going back to, to the older sound with that record. And obviously you, it was the straight up, you know, in your face, straight edge song I, I thought was super awesome. 
And I, I remember thinking like, okay, here's a new single that they got the new record coming out. Like I was like anxiously awaiting like a tour announcement, but that never <laughs> yes. came. You guys literally put out the record, did like a couple shows uh, and just never really did anything uh, for the record, which I thought was like kind of a bummer because I enjoy that record a lot. Did you guys um, or uh, when you guys put out the record, was it just like the idea was like, OK, we're going to put out new music. And if touring happens, happens. Or did you guys um, try to make an effort to uh, get a tour together for that record? No, we 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 did not make any effort. And I think that that was the thing is that we were kind of like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, you know, play it by ear if, if we play some shows or whatever. And um, I mean, you know, unless you have somebody in, in your camp that's just driving you to do that um i mean there are there are bands to this day that are like huge important bands that would never play a show if they did not have somebody behind the curtain or somebody at least one person in the band um driving them to push that along you know and push the pace um and uh yeah i mean that just wasn't happening it was just like we were you know uh stoked to you know kind of get together and and record some songs like oh yeah you know shows were like an afterthought and because of that i think that there was just no thought put into it and nothing um so you know we played some of those tracks um on uh when we did those festival dates uh in belgium and in uh montreal and uh that was cool i mean for us we were kind of like cool we got to play these live we got our fill you know what i mean and then uh you know, we never did end up playing them, you know, locally or anything, um, which, yeah, I mean, for for us, too, it's kind of it's kind of a bummer in hindsight. I wish that when that record came out and kind of had, uh, you know, some, you know, relevance and it was kind of a return to form for us and for a lot of people that have been familiar with the band, like from when, you know, like when you had gotten into the band, uh, it was a. Uh, it was, um, you know, I kind of wish that we'd played maybe at least like a show at chain at the time, but um uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it didn't, it didn't happen, but, um, it was, uh, you know, that, that record really was, and it probably should have, I mean, cause it's, that record was really a, a record for, um, you know, for fans. And insofar as that, I think that there was always kind of this, like, you know, open, there was sort of this open ending, you know, for the band that Deathless had been a record that was so far from what anybody had been familiar with, with the band when, if they got into it when, you know, Haymaker came out and certainly any time before that. Um, and so, you know, it, not, not that it was like, you know, it felt like an obligation or anything, but it was like kind of this, you know, felt like, um, I don't know, motivation to put a record out that was more kind of a return to form. And that was kind of a more, um, evolved version of what, uh, you know, the band had done when it, it really kind of caught on like in, you know, 2003 that that time um so yeah i mean that's what intolerance was and it, it it's a bummer there was no shows in support of it but uh um you know <laughs> you know it happens but the, the record came out like uh, like almost five years ago uh, and I'm, I'm just wondering are you still like writing riffs do you have things laying around that you could use you know uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I have not actively written for a while. It's been, it's been quite a while. Um, and, uh, th I do have some ideas and some little parts, but it'd, it'd be a far cry from even a record as short and to the point as intolerance, um, you know, was and is, uh, so, um, but that said, uh, I, you know, I, I lately I've had kind of the itch more to, to get in the studio and record something. I don't know that, 
um, you know, I just uh, I mentioned to you earlier. I think before we got got on recording that I, uh, you know, I did, my daughter came along uh, uh, last year. She's a year and a half old now, and so uh, you know, life's very different. And um, you know, when you carve out time away from family or for yourself, it's um, you know, you make it really count, and you don't, you know, um, you really want to. Um, you know, you, you want to spend as much time as you can with your family. And, 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 and so for me, if I'm going to make any music or whatever, I'd, I'd want to, um, you know, I wouldn't want to sacrifice a whole lot in order to do that as far as, um, uh, you know, being with them and, you know, um, and you know, whatever home life in general, all the things that you sacrifice when you're doing it for a living. So, uh, I mean, I'd really like to, um, get in the studio and, and record some songs again maybe play a show. Um, uh, I did just, you know, I did just reach out to, um, uh, Lance from living sacrifice, um, not that long ago, uh, cause he had played for drums for throwdown on a couple tours, uh, one in Europe and <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, and one in the States. And, um, yeah, I asked him, I'm like, Hey, like, you know, do you, cause Lance is a guitar player himself as well, even though he's, you know, drummer by, uh, um, occupation, but, um, uh, you know, I was asking him if him and Rocky had any riffs or anything laying around that maybe I could, you know, sing over and would be, um, you know, something that could come over, come together a little, uh, easier than, um, you know, put, building a record more or less on, on your own from the ground up. Um, and I mean, that was only like, I think like a week and a half ago, I reached out to him and he seemed pretty interested. So, um, I really like to do kind of something maybe different. Like if I was going to, you know, record any, uh, heavier music and, um, which isn't to say that there wouldn't be like another throwdown record at some point, but um, I don't I don't know that that would be what was next. I think I'd rather do something that's like, um, you know, a little, a little different. For sure. And uh, congratulations on becoming a father. I, I think it's uh, respectable that you're um, willing to, you know, take uh, and make sure that you're, you're taking care of your responsibilities and not, you know, just trying to you know do stuff for the band uh, when you know that you have a family. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, like I said, it's just, it's kind of hard to, it's hard to justify, you know, any, any time for just yourself, you know? Um, and, and that's really like at this phase, what, you know, I mean, it's one thing when it's your livelihood and you're making music because and you're going on tour for months on end because there's, you know, that's how you pay your rent and put food on the table for, you know, at the time it was just me and my wife. But, um, it's another thing when it's a hobby and it's just for fun. It, you know, I, um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm be 40. It's like, I, I have a hard time. I would have a hard time feeling good about like, like, Hey, hon, uh, you know, I'm going off to band practice for, you know, like, and not that, you know, I'm not, which is like, you know, it's no slight on, on, on people who are doing that. But for me, I'm like, you know, um, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I, I would, I'd, I'd rather go to the park with my kid. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then, and you know, which it's like, uh, which I think is a testament to kind of, you know, where, where, you know, music writing is at in my life right now. But, um, uh, you know, I just like, when I take time to myself, uh, you know, that's just me time. I, I'm, I'm still even doing that with, with, um, relative to my family you know because everybody needs that especially when um but do you have any kids at all you're a lot younger than i am i don't know if you have you have any no i'm just flying solo right now yeah oh you know i mean it's like 
and whatever. I'm not going to pontificate about like what it's like being a parent. I've only been a parent for a little over a year now, but, um, you know, I, you, even when you take that time to yourself, um, you're doing it in context of, of, you know, he's like, Hey, I need this for my sanity so I can be on it and I can be a good dad and husband and provider. Um, you know, uh, when I'm not doing this. So, um, you know, it's like you do this kind of like, um, you know, these therapeutic things, these cathartic things, so you can feel better and you can function better in the, in the things that are more important. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, um, I get that from music, but you really get it from playing shows and you get it from like, you know, writing a record and whatever. And that's not instantaneous. You know, there's a lot of especially with like the way that I've been involved with the band and, and, and kind of the administrative end of things, it, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into that. And so, um, that's the part where it's hard to justify. It's like, you know, it's not just a matter of like, Oh, Hey, we're going to, I'm going to pop in the studio for a couple hours and knock out some songs. It's like, you know, there's months of writing, then there's, you know, whatever, uh, sourcing a studio, an engineer, all these things. And, um, you know, it's just more, more work than I can really justify putting in to, to do that right now, you know? Yeah, I definitely get that. A uh, couple last things on the band. Uh, there was a compilation back in the day, Too Legit for the Pit. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you, you kind of touched on it earlier, but I, I just wanted to um, ask you, um, like, how did that come together? Um, yeah, I, I don't even remember uh, how it came together. I, I remember talking about what song to do. Um, I think back then... Because we're on a handful of comps that are that are pro- some of which are probably like lost forever in the ether, you know, or on or split seven inches and whatever. But it would come up all the time. And back then, it was just like, hey, you you have any songs you want to record for a comp? We've got two hundred bucks, and you can go record it. And we're going sure. And um, for this one, it was you know, I mean, a pretty funny and cool idea, like to do something to have all these uh, whatever hardcore and I think there's some punk bands on there too. Um, doing you know their versions of i guess at the time were like 90s rap and r&b um and uh so yeah we thought that'd be um you know fun and funny or whatever and um we almost did uh i think we almost did house of pain um jump around and i'm I'm glad we didn't because it's like now it's like that's almost like like there's some there's some credibility to that, you know, like, like there's like, I mean, not that house of pains, like a relevant band. I mean, if you ask, if you ask my, um, my friend and manager, uh, he'll tell you that house of pain is a very relevant and cred- and important, incredible group. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that it would have been like kind of a misfire to do something like that. Um, and, uh, so we were like, okay, Hey, this is already so, outside and so different like we should do something that's like ridiculous and so we did baby got back and and it was clearly ridiculous um and uh yeah it really it really kind of turned into this monster that it didn't need to it was like every time we play a show somebody's yelling in the crowd we're like oh god what did we do but um but yeah it was was in good fun you know i think we played it live a handful of times we did it at hellfest one year and we did it um i think we did it like once we played a show like in, oh God, I think Keith sang that song um, in like 2001 maybe or two. We played with Strike Anywhere like maybe in Virginia or something. 
I remember playing like on the floor and we played that song, but we barely ever played it live because it was so like, I mean, it was just like, it, it, you know, it's, it, I mean, it was cool. It was, it was fun. Everybody loved, it was fun to do when we did it live. Everybody had a really good time. But, you know, when you're trying to like take yourself, you know, seriously, or you're having this like hardcore show that's like intense and then you play this song, it's like, it's, it, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, that's, I, that's what happened with that one. Yeah. And I know, um, or, well, okay. Hold on. Before I ask about Spotify, um, you, you guys have a Twitter that that's pretty active. Um, is that you who runs it? Yeah, that's me. That's just all me. <laughs> okay. Um, which is cool. I, I, I like that. Um, you know, at least, um, you know, for the people who are a fan of the band can follow you, uh, follow the band on Twitter and still get some activity. I, I know that right. um, it's more jokes than like, uh, you know, updates say, on the it, band. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's nothing like, yeah, don't get the wrong idea. There's nothing like worth. <laughs> I was just like nonsense that comes to my head. It's usually, it's like something relating to music nonsense though, that I'll be like, ah, okay, whatever. I'm going to say this, but, um, yeah, it, it's that, yeah, that's, that's, that's me on there. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, you guys tweeted out your Spotify stats from last year and, um, on the conversation of baby got back, I, I think it's funny that that's like your third top song when you go to your Spotify profile. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's so that's like the third most important. That's the bronze medal of <laughs> most important things we've that, done. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I I find it like really um like you know interesting and awesome that like in 2018 you guys and this is just Spotify alone that you guys are able to pull a million streams for the entire year, and um you know and then also you gotta think about like the other platforms and then people who are probably still listening on CD or vinyl like you know there's still like a huge like you know fan base for your band yeah no for sure it, it's uh it, it, that was crazy actually i didn't even pull those stats so uh, you know, i said like i said that was uh, i mean i'm usually the one tweeting on there and i did send that out but um uh our manager had pulled that and said hey look you got a million streams you know last year and so i you know i figured we'd just put it out there and, and break it down because it, it was pretty interesting but um yeah, i was super stoked on that actually because it's like um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, who, who are these people <laughs> you know, that are listening to the band in 2018 and listening to baby got back? It's like, how, <laughs> like, like, does this irony, does this like joke come up that often that people need to hear that? Do they actually listen from start to finish? How do you, how do you stomach that? And I don't know. Yeah. It's uh it's cool. It was really cool to see that. Um, it was a, it was a trip too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's cool. Um, especially for me to see, cause it's just like, okay, like I'm not like the only one who's still like into this band. Like I, I'm not like, you know, there's definitely like a, a good like chunk of us still out there who, who still care. For sure. I think there's at least 10 people that listened like a hundred thousand times. I, that's, that's if I had to guess like each, you know, so okay. like, to, a, like a total of maybe, maybe 10 to 12 total people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like when I equate like, you know, orange County hardcore and like orange County straight edge, like throwdowns on that list. Like there's no way you guys can't be on that list in my opinion. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's cool being a part of like, uh, like the, I don't know. I mean, there's not a <laughs> Orange County is not really a is not like a hub of cultural of, of culture. You know, it's like it is. It's kind of this 
I mean, I guess there's this amalgam. You do have people from, despite the portrayal of Orange County as being, um, you know, predominantly just your your basic white, you know, middle class to upper middle class area or whatever. Which is, it's obviously that's there's a lot of of that's there there is a prevalence of that, but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bands that have come from um, Southern California, from, from Orange County, too, over the years. And, and yeah, it's cool to be, you know, um, to be like, you know, on that um, whatever that that timeline is as part of one era in, you know, music from around here. And, um, uh, you know, th- yeah, it's not something you really think about, like when it's when it's happening, you're not like, oh, I'm trying to. You know, I don't think any bands are really thinking about like, oh, I need to be I need to make my mark. I need to be a part of you know, whatever, but it's like, you know, tons of bands from, um, you know, from various, whatever scenes and cities and, and, and areas, uh, from that time, um, whether or not they're active currently or, or not, um, you know, have kind of become part of that, like areas like, you know, music history. I mean, like every time I die is a great example. It's like, I guarantee that they're, you know, one of the more important bands, um, you know, to have come out of, you know, buff, the Buffalo area and they're, I mean, you know, that's like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's, it's cool for any band, I think, and, and they're lying if they're telling you otherwise to not have been, you know, regarded as kind of being a part of the, the history of where they're from and, and, and even some small amount. Hell yeah. Okay. So I've definitely talked your ear off uh, about Throwdown, but um, one other thing that you're involved with that interests me is um, you train Muay Thai. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, so the gym you train at um, is like, like I think one of the best gyms in Southern California. You, you train at King's MMA. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, can you talk about uh, how you um, got into Muay Thai and how you ended up training at that specific gym? Because um, in Orange County, it's, it's a hotbed for, you know, MMA and Muay Thai, kickboxing and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. There's no shortage of, uh, I mean, you can throw a rock and hit, a, you know, a good jujitsu school or, um, uh, you know, MMA gym, uh, and especially in Huntington beach, um, you know, they're like, even in the early days of, you know, UFC coming up, there was, uh, a handful of, of gyms there. And, um, uh, you know, even still, I mean, between there, there's Kings, you know, have Tito's gym, punishment athletics, uh, in Huntington, um, there's some really reputable jujitsu schools there. <coughs> and then, you know, just all over Southern California in general, there's a lot of, uh, um, good MMA gyms. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I had like kind of had this sort of cursory involvement with, um, I, I'd done Muay Thai a little bit in high school. Uh, and, um, just as I'd gotten out of high school, um, just, you know, not, not consistently as consistently as you, you know, most kids do anything, I guess at that age. But, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to come back to it. It was something that I'd always had you know, I've always been interested in, you know, growing up in boxing and I wasn't super athletic. I never did, uh, you know, team sports. I like basketball, but I kind of sucked. And, um, I, uh, but yeah, it, you know, especially when we finished, um, I've been at Kings for like, uh, almost, I guess next year will be uh, my 10th year there. And, uh, I did, um, I went there in 2010, not that long after the band stopped touring. And actually it was really, um, that's not, that wasn't by coincidence either. It was just like, I, you know, I didn't have this kind of 
outlet um, for playing music regularly. And I was home so much more and looking for something to do with myself that was, you know, healthy and productive and, and um, you know, with with, you know, my my spare time. And um, and yeah, so uh, I I went there. Um, I mean, Rafael Cordero is is, uh, you know, for anybody who knows um, MMA and um, they're probably familiar with him as a coach. Uh, you know, he came out of Curitiba, Brazil, um, really kind of was a big part of bringing, you know, Valley Tudo and, um, uh, Muay Thai into Brazil. Um, obviously jujitsu became popular in Brazil, uh, a long time before those, those things did, um, you know, but, um, it was, uh, you know, having him so close was crazy. I mean, he was literally when when that gym started, they were right next door to um, uh, Clever Luciano's um, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, gym, which is still in the same place. But Kings at that time uh, was next door. I mean, they shared a wall and it was kind of like, oh, hey, this is where you could go if you wanted, you know, Jiu Jitsu. And, and Clever didn't do striking and uh, they didn't have Jiu Jitsu at Kings at the time. And it was just like this, like super small space. But, um, it was uh, like walking distance from my current house. So it was just like perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I walked in there and just wanted, I was like, Hey, look, I haven't done anything in, you know, ages. I'm, you know, I'm 30 now. I want to get into it. And uh, it was kind of crazy because it's like, you know, the guys that have come out of there over the years are some, you know, top notch, you know, Brazilian legends from uh, pride days. And, uh, and nowadays not even all just Brazilians. I mean, um, you know, Kevin Gastelum, I'm sorry, Kelvin Gastelum, um, who I can't remember what his rank is now, but I know he just, uh, you know, fought, fought a really close match with Adesanya at, at, um, a UFC match not that long ago at, uh, middleweight. And, uh, he's training out of Kings. Um, now, uh, I mean, you know, Fabricio Verdum, um, is you know, still active and, um, has been with Kings for forever under Rafael. Um, uh, Vanderlei Silva. I mean, there's this laundry list of like, um, you know, Shogun, these guys that have come out of, uh, Brazil and, and done big things in both pride and, uh, UFC, um, glory, uh, and all different kinds of organizations, Bellator and, and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, really it's, it's kind of insane. It was like a no brainer for me to want to go to that gym. Uh, these are fighters that I always kind of looked up to and thought were, were awesome. I really expect, really respected the kind of the, the, their style of striking. Um, and it was something that I, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it just resonated with me. And, um, it was just, you know, like it was crazy that they were, they were that close to home and, um, that I could go and train with the guy that made these athletes. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's been an honor for me to do so. And I've been doing it for, you know, just shy of a decade now. I made a lot of great friends there and it's, uh, you know, something I, um, you know, I try at least to get in there a couple days a week now. Um, uh, it's not even not always easy, but uh, but yeah, it's you know it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty big part of my life. You know, I'm I'm never you're never gonna see me get into a uh, a cage or probably even a smoker fight, but um, but it, it's a really important part of my life. It's it's become um, you know, uh, a, a really valuable thing for me as a person um, over the last uh, decade. So you're actually pretty high level because uh, recently you posted on your Instagram that you got the the black armband. 
Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, in Muay Thai, for people that aren't really familiar, I mean, it's like there's not really uh, there's not really a ranking system. It's it's like boxing. But the, the reason that there is an, in under and there has been and was under shoot a box and another Brazilian um, schools is because uh, when it, like 40 years ago, when uh, they they brought Muay Thai to Brazil and it started being popularized there, the, the same the same um i was actually just reading about this uh recently because rafael had posted something about the the history of it too but uh so they brought when they brought muay thai over there and they started sanctioning it there had to be some sort of ranking system in order to do so um in you know it was a bureaucratic thing um but uh but they had to do it and and so they did um, the, you know, the schools in Brazil for Muay Thai developed, you know, a belt system or, uh, I think they call them Prajiads or Prajid, Prajid, I can't remember how to pronounce it, but it's like when you see Thai fighters and they have the armband. So they just did a, um, you know, obviously since there's no belt, they did the armband for the ranking there. And, um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a testament to the time and the, you know, um, the knowledge and the, um, you know, what you've done in the sport. And I mean, really the reality of the, of Muay Thai is, you know, it, that, you know, the belts are, are one, you know, as far as in, in, in competition and, in and in fights. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, there's not a whole, there's not a whole lot of American guys with, uh, with, uh, you know, the black belt quote unquote, but, um, uh, yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm super stoked and, you know, honored to be on that that short list of uh you know white guys in that gym full of brazilians <laughs> to, to be one of them so it's uh it's cool it's it's really cool so i'm like a super huge like mma fan and like in my mind when i see you get an achievement like that i, I feel like at some point the natural progression is to to take a fight is there like a specific reason why um you don't want to head into that direction um you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just it that was never really the goal. Like I just kind of wanted to do something for myself and just wanted to kind of, um, you know, I mean, I, I challenged myself a lot. Uh, like I said, I, I'm not like a, a natural athlete and I, um, I, I you know, it, it's a challenge enough for me to, to get to the level that I've gotten to. Um, uh, and, you know, and really like, you know, mentally, like kind of figuring out like how to, um, you know, how to do these things that are, that come more naturally for, for guys that have either had a history in sports or they've, um, are just, you know, have the more natural innate ability, uh, for fighting. And, uh, you know, I just, it was never really kind of my goal to, to, to get out there and fight. And the truth is, is that I think that the amount of time that really, I mean, I, I know guys that'll do, they'll take fights and, um, they'll do smoker fights. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, when he was younger, went out and, I mean, you can go fight in Thailand. You can go show up in Thailand in a, you know, Tommy Bahama shirt and tell him you want to fight and they'll stick you in there with someone that'll, <laughs> you know, remind you of the West's place in uh, Muay Thai. But, um, you know, uh, I, it was just, uh, I don't know. I, I think that the amount of time and commitment, I, I don't, I don't have that in me both. Um, I don't, I couldn't put in the time that I feel would be needed and that would, you know, respect the effort and respect, um, you know, the coach and the, you know, and an opponent for a real fight. And, and I don't think I could, 
I could make that sacrifice to do it the right way. And I don't think I'd want to do it any other way. Uh, and I mean, you know, there are, there are guys that have come in that are younger that have been training for a fraction of the time that, that, um, you know, I have, and that some of the older guys have at the gym that also have, you know, just never kind of pursued taking actual fights, but, um, uh, and they'll take fights, you know, and then some of them was successful. Some of them won't be, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just, uh, it never really kind of, uh, it never really, and, and also there's a limited capacity with which to do Muay Thai in, um, in, in the States. It's still kind of a thing that's becoming more popular. And I mean, M- MMA itself is, is, um, huge now, obviously. I think that, you know, obviously USP, um, UFC and their deals with ESPN and Fox before that has, you know, kind of made MMA you know, such a largely growing sport. But, um, but yeah, I mean, also too, it's just, um, I don't know. I, it, it just, uh, never really kind of felt like something I was, uh, I was destined to do and uh, just never, you know, I never pursued it. So, but who knows, maybe I'll get old enough to one day where I can fight another old guy and, um, uh, you know, if we can feel good about that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, Dave, this has definitely been a pleasure. Like, honestly, um, probably like my favorite podcast I've ever done. Like, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and talking with me. It definitely means a lot to me. Oh, hey, man. Likewise, too. You know, like I said before we started recording, too, and I got on the phone, like, yeah, it's not it's not all that often I get to kind of, you know, um, you know, sort of bullshit about the old days or talk about, um, I don't know, you know, talk about the band in this, in this regard. And, and, uh, you know, nowadays it's, it's very, it's much less common than it used to be. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an honor for pleasure for me too. And I really appreciate that, you know, that, um, you know, you, you, you cared to reach out and that, um, and, uh, again, apologies that I, I totally missed the message the first time around, um, when we were, when we had talked last, last year, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm really stoked that, that it came together, man. It was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was an honor for me. So th- thank you. Hell yeah. Thank you again. And thank all of you for listening. This has definitely been really fun and I appreciate all of you for listening. This has been another episode of the J Mary K podcast. Always on top. <laughs>